Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Football Friday of the NFL's regular season. It is good to be with you. Thanks so much to Whitey for filling in yesterday. And Ray, on my way back from my first colonoscopy, which, by the way, A+, flying collars, state-of-the-art colon would be the best way to describe it. Um, uh, You were actually nice for a minute or two. To, to Whitey. So thank you very much. It feels like a new you. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. Stop See you it. Monday. No, stop it. By the way, do you know how they set up uh, a, 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 a proctologist's office? I swear to God, nobody knows. Please stop. Stop so, now. So they put the lobby in the front because all the business takes place in the rear. Good night, everybody. Thank you for coming. Is that your version of sports don't build character? They reveal it? You know you're impressed. You know you like that. No, that was awful. It's it was all outst- awful. It was I, I'm, g- I'm glad you came out okay. I don't want to hear another word about it. You're lucky that I'm at home today. You're lucky I'm at home today because my plan was to come in with pictures of my colon for you. <laughs> uh, no, I could see you on Zoom. That's sufficient. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, get yourself checked out, everybody. It's important to do these things. It's also important for the 49ers to beat the Arizona Cardinals. How about that for a smooth transition, Ray? Uh, I wouldn't say smooth. Let's beat the Arizona Cardinals and then not worry about uh, anything else, especially any injuries. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, Getting a one seed or having a big player go down in a game that, you know, hey, it could deliver a one seed. So you can't call it a meaningless game. But there is an element of -of out-of-town scoreboard watching that no one's really probably thinking about because it's thinking about, well, what would happen? Um, Let's say the Philadelphia Eagles at halftime, which will be a halftime that's corresponding with the 49ers halftime. Let's say the Eagles are sitting up on the New York Giants 28-31 to nothing. Like they're just blowing their doors off. I mean, at that point, don't you just white flag the game and pull everyone if you're if you're Kyle Shanahan? At that point, isn't, you know, the, the two seed is 
is pretty much locked in if the Eagles are up that big on the Giants. It, wouldn't it be the prudent thing to do? The prudent thing to do to just go ahead and if there's if there's someone who can play behind you on a depth chart, that guy guard starts playing third quarter. Um, that depends on what the Cowboys are doing. Do you want to be the three? Does it matter? Does it matter? I don't know. I don't. I, is there a difference between the two and the three? For you know, I mean, I, of course, it's going to dictate who you're seeing in an opening round. But that opening round is is going to be at your home no matter what. And then you're you're pretty much going on the road, unless of course you know the two allows you to you know should the Eagles get knocked out by someone somehow some way, which is not out of the question, then you do have home field. So um, it's an important game. But it's also a delicate balance game for the Niners. Well, I I think um, for them to decide to white flag the second half, they have to be fairly well assured that both the Eagles and the Cowboys are done. Now, let's say the Niners really are outstanding front runners. They can get off to a really big lead. I mean, if, if that has happened in this football season, and if it could happen one more time, what a blessing it would be if they were actually in a situation where the game was so under their control, where they can start pulling guys midway through the third, early fourth. That would be ideal, too. And when it comes to who is out there, who is ready to go, Elijah Mitchell is going to be playing this weekend. According to the uh, 49ers head coach, uh, we've got... Aaron Banks, Givens, Greenlaw, and Ambry Thomas all out this weekend. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo in the same boat there. Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw will be questionable. But Elijah Mitchell coming off the IR, he'll be activated, I guess, tomorrow. And Shanahan expects to get him snaps. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are good to go. It's great that Debo can get a few live reps early uh, and so he doesn't have to taste his next actual in-game action in the postseason. That's good. Look, Christian McCaffrey's got some real opportunities to join some elite groups of running backs in terms of production and numbers and yards from scrimmage, and we'll get into all that here in just a little bit, Ray. But um, less Christian McCaffrey is more Christian McCaffrey this weekend because... Above anyone on the San Francisco 49ers, his health is key to unlocking any success in this postseason. Would you agree? Oh, no question. I mean, the less they can use him, the better. Um, and again, part of that is whether they're up, you know, 99 to 3 at halftime against a hideous Cardinals team that's about to lose its coach and maybe its general manager and is playing, what, its fourth string quarterback? Um, beyond that, uh, you know the Eagles and Cowboys will determine that, but I think if there's a if there's a seed to play for, or the Cardinals game is in doubt, I think he'll play the whole game like he usually does. So I mean, it, it really is circumstantial. It just yeah, yes, they'd like to give him give him a rest, but that depends on at least three factors. If I hear another sports talk radio host on our station, on any station, in any city in the market, try to, on the radio, explain all the moving parts and playoff scenarios that are now enacted in the AFC side of the bracket, I, I'm going to have to jump off the Bay Bridge. Like, I, it, You need a PowerPoint presentation to follow along with it. So if anyone's curious as to how the AFC could actually play out, go ahead and go online and and research it all for yourself because it's got a million moving parts to it 
Ray, it was a incredibly difficult solution for the NFL to reach. Um, I'm not thrilled about changing the rules of how something should actually happen when you're already in a season, and the NFL did that a little bit here. But I'm also a big believer that it's all business as usual until things become unusual. And obviously on Monday Night Football, things became very unusual um, in a world where there was no perfect solution. I think the NFL's actually come up with a, a decent one here. They failed to fail this time with as many permutations that would make this aggressively worse. Um, I think the only thing I don't like is the idea of the neutral site only because the conference final, if it can be played in lousy weather, should be played in lousy weather because you know a neutral site game is going to end up being a dome. Um, I mean, Indianapolis comes immediately to mind and even though there's some sort of big volleyball tournament in the building that weekend... I have a feeling the NFL would get that moved. Um, I I just think it, it's, you know, I get why you need to do it to make sure that everybody feels like they have the same sort of chance. But I want, I want players running hip deep in snow. And I don't care whether it's in Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Buffalo. Um, and there's a chance that that might not happen. So, but other than that, I think not resuming... The Monday game was the right thing to do. I think if you have to change the rules to accommodate a season in which one team plays fewer games than another, that's fine too. It's just, you know, nobody was unjustly treated. And the idea that all the nobility that came from Monday night's weird, awful game is honored by not trying to wipe it away. Uh, I'm fine with that, too. This was the least offensive of the solutions, I thought. Speaking of not wiped away, DeMar Hamlin will not be leaving us anytime soon. We are so happy to report, in case you might have missed the news, that his breathing tube is out. He is already talking. He addressed his teammates on a Zoom meeting already. And his first question, apparently, to the doctors was, did we win? I mean, that is just, that's great stuff right there. It really is. Uh, this this incident will not stop him or strip him of a normal life. That, that's just, that's remarkable. Um, might not even strip him of an actual NFL career, Ray. We'll have to see where it all comes out in, in the wash. I mean, I heard some people even discussing, might he play again this year? Which is uh, a stupid question. Hey, Chris Pronger played four, what, four games after the same thing happened to him. So how well, stupid of a question I mean, is it? Different circumstances for different players. I mean, he went off the field conscious. I mean, or went off the ice conscious. So the the incident with him, uh, by any definition, was less serious. But I think you just play it. All you can do is play that by ear. Uh, we don't know if he's going to have a fully normal life because... He's still in the early stages of the recovery. He might be able to play at some point. You know, he might be able to, you know, have the normal life without football. But, you know, I think what you've got now is what you should be happy with because three days ago, he was even money to not be here today. He's here. Thank goodness he is here. That's great. Um, the NFL can officially stop calling what happened on Monday night a tragedy and start looking at it more as a triumph. Um, in a league where we often criticize every little 
detail. Those who were in charge of the details of reviving this young man and bringing him back literally saved a life. Um, just outstanding. Outstanding all the way around. And we got an outstanding show for you all the way around this Friday afternoon. Brian Baldinger in about an hour from now. In a half an hour from now, we're going to be talking to Anthony Slater, who we have not had on in a really long time. I know he appears all over the station, but we had a little breaking news about the Golden State Warriors Andre Iguodala is going to be playing tomorrow night. What are the expectations of the impact he will have to start getting this team back on its winning track? And we're going to get into that with Anthony Slater at 345, Brian Baldinger at 415. We're going to be fading the public, Ray, before it's all said and done. And we have one of the strongest fade the public positions of the entire season. So stick around. We got much more coming up. It's Damon and Rattle here on 95.7 The Game. We are brought to you by the Golden State Warriors. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. store is open boys and girls you can go ahead and fulfill all of your t-shirt and hoodie dreams as long as you dream about 95.7 the game the relevant t-shirt i gotta i gotta admit that's a pretty good one you can go check it out for yourself 957 thegameshopcom it is good to have you here with damon and ratto this afternoon we got some house cleaning to do some very interesting statistical possibilities that are uh, well, I, I should, you know, not 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 probabilities, but possibilities for Nick Bosa, obviously two sacks away from the team record. Well, two sacks away from tying Alden Smith for the team record. Uh, is it is it two to pass? Two to pass, three to get it all to himself, or is it one to tie, two actually gets him the record? I, I could think Alden's at 19 and a half. I couldn't honestly tell you, and I don't honestly care, only there because... We know how Alden Smith's career ended, and it didn't end well for any number of reasons. And it's really about the right now anyway. You can worry about records when careers are over, at least in my way of thinking. I mean, I don't think if he doesn't get the record on Sunday that you're going to feel any different about him. No, absolutely. And and Nick Bosa, when he joined us earlier this week, he said his dad won't feel necessarily different about him if he's not the defensive player of the year. Here is Nick Bosa. It's definitely a goal since you're a little kid. Whenever you start playing defense, you look at guys who have come through and and won that award. And um, I think the number one goal when you play for an organization like this is obviously the Super Bowl, but that would be some icing on the cake for sure. It would be a lot of icing on the cake. And I'm going to tell you right now that Nick Bosa is more of a significant NFL presence than any moment of Alden Smith's entire career was. I mean, there's, there is one guy who might have turned into something very special. And there's another guy who, as we look at him right now, is at the peak of his powers and is officially something very, very special. And it's not like Nick Bosa's success 
is dictated by the talent around him. As a matter of fact, the talent around him's success is dictated by him. I was so, going to say the, the better comp, if you're going to go that way, is Justin Smith, who was the guy who made Alden Smith possible. I mean, because Justin Smith, even though he played a different position, was as dominant at his as Nick Bosa has been at his. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, the guy is all day and night long special and you can say it doesn't matter to you but you have zero skin in the game of course it matters to Nick Bosa of course everyone would like to say I am the single season sack leader of a franchise as historic as the San Francisco 49ers so you know then he'll break it next year okay that's you know I guess that's a good way to look at it keep your goals out there to me it's it's you know what have you done to help your team win and the sack total is ancillary to that because he makes a difference on plays when he doesn't sack the quarterback. I mean, that's that's why he's going to, you know, is the favorite to be the defensive player of the year because okay, he impacts nearly every play. And the only game in which he hasn't really been any kind of a force was last week. So that's one out of 16. And again, you take that. You can say he wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, any kind of a force last week. He literally made the play that helped the Niners win the game defensively, causing a a Stidham interception by finally getting not necessarily to him, but putting an incredible amount of pressure on him. And like you said, this guy does things with pressure that are so significant that he doesn't even need to sack a quarterback to really affect a play. Again, two and a half sacks would officially have him passing Alden Smith. Nick Bosa has an NFL high 47 NFL pressures on the ear, excuse me, uh, hits on the quarterback with three more quarterback hits this week. Bosa would become the second player since 2006 to register 50 or more quarterback hits in a single season. The guy who is in front of him, J.J. Watt, all the way back in 2015 when he had 50, and that was a season where J.J. Watt was named Defensive Player of the Year. So there is a little precedent for the uh, nightmare that is Nick Bosa to where, if he, look at it this way, Nick Bosa could have been wrapped up in bubble tape, and he's probably still Defensive Player of the Year without a single recorded stat pressure tackle sack anything this weekend that's how good he's been anything he does against the cardinals should have to be doubled because it's just the cardinals were you paying any attention to the interview that we did with him because here's what he said about the arizona cardinals i don't get too excited with the cardinals because kingsbury doesn't like to let our d-line have very much fun so they're going to be ripping that ball out first read for most of the day, we just got to stop the run, hopefully get a little lead, and then and then go from there. There you go. So well, Arizona does not make life easy on a defensive line. They get the ball out quickly. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I guess, what, is he, is he coaching his last game as an NFL head coach? What do you think the chances there, are of There's that? an excellent chance of that. Uh, and I think Steve Keim as the general manager might be that. I mean, let's put it this way. Whatever Cliff Kingsbury has in mind for David Blau is way different than what he was doing when he had Kyler Murray. So the the getting the ball out quickly to me, you know, that's only part of the equation. I mean, David Blau is not Kyler Murray. And the Cardinals in week 18 in a year in which they have four entire wins are not the same as the Cardinals who were still thinking that they might be a factor in the middle of the season. 
uh, as long as we're going over what could be out there in the, you know, historical cards. No play on words there for Arizona Cardinals, unintentional. Uh, if Brock Purdy throws two touchdown passes this weekend, he's going to join Justin Herbert as the only rookie quarterback in NFL history to throw for two-plus touchdowns in six consecutive games. Like, you know, I understand that the point you want to make, Ray, and it's not absolutely off the mark of a point, but he is an important player. You know, I mean, you can't just say, Kyle asked so little out of his quarterback that, you know, Brock Purdy and or the next guy. There hasn't been an and or the next guy that's had any degree of consistent success with the 49ers, but for Jimmy Garoppolo under Kyle Shanahan. So for Purdy to look this good and have success that is extended, you know, it's still a small sample size over the course of a career. But when you look over the course of any rookie season ever, the fact that he could equal something that Justin Herbert did when we're all in agreement, basically, that Justin Herbert quarterbacked one of the finest rookie seasons in the history of football is really extraordinary. And you can say that that is by design. It's by the head coach's plan. And he is just a small cog in the wheel. I mean, to me, a quarterback is always going to be a little bit more than a small cog in the wheel of football. So I, I, it's just an extraordinary story. We'll see where it continues to go. If Brock Purdy helps the 49ers into the win column again, it'll be the first time since 1997 that the 49ers will have gone undefeated in their own division. And only Dallas and Minnesota have 8-1 and one home records this year. If the 49ers win, they'll be 8-1 and one at home. So there is you know, a lot to play for with the seating out there. From some historical numbers, there's certainly some personal accolades to play for. And if the one thing we can agree on, Ray, is that Christian McCaffrey's been special, listen to this, because this is officially special for Christian McCaffrey. With 99 or more scrimmage yards this week, McCaffrey would be the sixth player since 1970 and the first player since LaDainian Tomlinson to register 1,900 or more scrimmage yards in at least three of his first six seasons in the NFL. The other guys to do it. The other guys to do it. Thurman Thomas, Emmett Smith, Edron James, Eric Dickerson. And I'll save everyone the... Uh, the time of looking it up. Every single one of those guys is in the Hall of Fame. And Christian McCaffrey, yeah, no, if he stays he's, healthy. He's phenomenal. I mean, but I think the 49ers would love it if he doesn't get that because it means they can sit him for the bulk of the game. I think they'd love it if they get it on one play, two, three plays. I mean, 99 well, well, they scrimmage might do that yards too, for Christian McCaffrey you know, could it, happen it, in a handful of plays. If he, if he doesn't do it by halftime and they're up three scores... I think they'd all be delighted to give him the rest of the day off. No doubt about it. Get Elijah Mitchell some reps. Get uh, Jordan Mason a couple reps. Ty Davis Price. You never know who you're going to have to turn to. And give Debo Samuel a couple of runs. Get him back. And I mean, there, there's a lot of. I mean, yeah. To me, the the individual numbers they're nice, but when you're playing for what they're playing for. Um, the individual numbers just tend to fade for me. I I like to evaluate guys based on how they fit into a team concept. And for Sunday, 
the less they need McCaffrey to work, the better off they are. 14 yards from scrimmage for Kristen McCaffrey. You taking the over or under on that? 14? 14. Oh, the over. Okay, well, with 14 or more scrimmage yards, McCaffrey would pass Eric Dickerson for the most scrimmage yards by any midseason addition in NFL history. I mean, that's how good of a trade this has been for the 49ers. He's nothing short. Excuse me. He is something. He's 14 yards short of being the single greatest midseason running back trade in the history of football, Ray. I mean, that's something else. And they basically don't lose with him. That's the way it goes. Brock Purdy, same ship. They don't lose with him. So things are looking better for the 49ers than anyone could have ever imagined when this season started, when they looked like they had lost, you know, the quarterback that they were going to hand all the reins to and Trey Lance, and then nobody really doubted Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be the guy. And look, give Jimmy all the credit in the world. He played great at the end there. He really did, as great as he can. But I don't want to say easily replaced. Brock Purdy is the 49ers quarterback. Just that's all there is to it. And I think he's going to be the 49ers quarterback next year as well. Uh, The guy has been everything Kyle Shanahan could possibly want in a quarterback at any stage of any career, especially the beginning stage of a career. He's just been remarkable, totally remarkable. So hopefully they can keep up their remarkable season with one more win. And again, if the 49ers get a win and the Eagles lose, my God, the 49ers would be the one seed in the NFC Eagles and 49ers lose and the Cowboys win. Dallas would be the top seed. If the Cowboys and the 49ers lose, the Eagles, they're the one seed, whether they win or lose uh, against the New York Giants. And what's fascinating about this and what is just going to make one of the great days to have red zone or your clicker in your hand is all of these games start at 125 on Sunday. Everybody's going to be at halftime right around the same time. And you might be too busy in game to be out of town scoreboard watching in a football game. I get that. Everyone is going to know what's happening at halftime. And I think it's going to make people think a little differently based on the circumstances that all three of these games are being played under. No, I mean, this is an idea that European soccer figured out a long time ago. Is that if you play every game at the same time, no team can do a lot of scoreboard watching to affect how they play. And everybody's riveted for the whole time because there are so many permutations. I mean, it's interesting that almost all of the important AFC games are in the 10 o'clock window. And almost all of the important a- NFC games are in the 125 window. That's clever scheduling. Uh, it's also lucky scheduling, but for the most part, that that's how they did the schedule. I think there's like three or maybe even just two uh, NFC AFC games in, at the 125, and you know one of them only one of them has real ramifications, and that's the Steelers. And by then they might be done. So they've really broken it down by conference, so that you you get to see what's going to happen at one o'clock, and then you get to see what's going to happen again at four twenty-five. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, and of course, there's going to be some grousing among fans. And, and look, if, if you are a fan of a team that has an opportunity to host a championship game, 
it, would, it would stink to see that game taken from you and put in a neutral site, which means, you know, what are you, what are you going to do as a, as a season ticket holder? Are you going to get a comparable ticket to go fly to Indianapolis if that's indeed where the neutral site game would be? If it's a needed, you know, if, if it becomes a necessity to decide the AFC, that stinks. But the NFL could care less, right? And any single fan who wants to be like, well, what about our, our, you know, our ownership group? Look at the money that they would be losing. And the money is. It's significant that you would lose by giving up the right to host a championship game. But at the same time, never cry broke for an NFL owner. It'd be ridiculous. I don't know if you saw this story. It came out about a week or two ago. But NFL owners actually cost themselves nearly a billion dollars with wrong hires over the last five years, Ray. This is amazing. Adam Schefter wrote that NFL officials have informed owners of the league's 32 franchises that teams have spent $800 million on fired coaches and front office executives over the past five years. The message is that basically, you know, you're leaking hundreds of millions of dollars and you should probably start operating like a dollar actually means something to you guys, even though it means very little. And we were just talking about how the Arizona Cardinals might let Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury go. I think one has got four years left on his deal. The other's got five years left on his deal. We're talking about a 15, 16 million dollar buyout. If you're wiping clean the franchise of both of those entities, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are like, yeah, that's cool. That's chump change to us. But even the NFL is like, guys, we need, we need to start either making better decisions or be a little bit more patient for success to come around. You can't make impetuous people not be impetuous. I don't know if you saw the story in The Athletic today about how the Indianapolis Colts imploded this year. But the central theme is that Jim Irsay lost his mind. And nobody is going to be able to tell Jim Irsay not to lose his mind if he wants to lose his mind. I mean, he's the guy who decided, you know, Frank Reich's got to go. He's the he's the guy who benched Matt Ryan. He's the guy who insisted on Jeff Saturday when nobody else wanted Jeff Saturday. Um, that's a nice conversation for the NFL to initiate, but they're initiating initiating it to deaf ears because when a when an owner wants to fire a guy. Years left on the contract literally don't matter. Matt Rule got fired at midseason, and he had years left on his deal. Specifically, seven years and sixty million. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, rem- see, this is all. That, well, I mean, he had four years. He had four years remaining on the seven-year, sixty million deal. Yeah, but it literally is chump change to these guys. If they want to fire a guy, they like the idea that can they can just walk in. Cut him a check and say, "Never darken my towels again." So I, 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 whatever the NFL's message was, you know, they they could have just said it to a stump and gotten the same response. Because if you want to fire your coach, no matter how much time he has left, you're going to do it. And when somebody hires Jim Harbaugh, they're going to give him a long-term deal with massive amounts of money. And if it doesn't work in three years, he'll be leaving with a massive amount of money. Because that's one of those perks of being an owner. You don't have to care about cash. By the way, the Colts let Frank Reich go with four years remaining on a contract extension that paid him $9 million annually. The contract extension was signed all the way back in a year that no one even remembers. 2001. 
What's crazy is when you look at the Titans. So the Titans just let go of their general manager, John Robinson, with four full years remaining on a contract extension that he agreed to in February. I mean, that is just insane to say, yeah, we're liking the job that you're doing so much that we're willing to extend you right now and not even a calendar year after we agree that you are not only the right guy for the job, but you're going to be the right guy for the job going forward. One bad season means we're going to pull the plug on the entire experiment. It is it's nuts. And I think that's what the NFL is talking about. Like just, you know, there might be a little bit more consistency in this league and it won't be so chaotic with actual like continuity and teams. When you're a bad team, you shouldn't expect to be a good team right away. And if you are a good team right away under bad circumstances, you probably shouldn't expect it to be maintained and just go forward with a decade of excellence like you're the New England Patriots all of a sudden. You know, patience is a virtue that very few of these guys have. And if it were a religion that they could get, it would probably serve them better than just acting upon their own impulses. But but the flaw in that, and I'm not trying to pick a fight because I get what you're saying, is that people who don't understand football are making football decisions, like hiring the head coach. That's not done by the general manager. It's done by the owner. General managers don't get hired by like a, the president of the club. They get hired by the owner. Owners don't know football. They bought the team because it's a cash cow. So they know livestock, but they don't know football, so they don't know why things go wrong. Read, read, the, read the thing about the Colts. It tells you everything you need to know about your standard NFL owner. They don't know what they don't know. They only know what they don't like. And when they don't like something, they want to get rid of it and start over again. And that's why you get this kind of money being thrown down the toilet because they have the world's largest toilets. Their plumbing can accommodate twice as much money as they're pissing away now. Speaking of plumbing, Ray, boy, did my get a Oh, workout. God, no. <laughs> no, I mean, it just, I mean... It's This is another thing that they've sort of stolen from European soccer, which is if your coach isn't good in 10 games, they're looking to get rid of them. And these guys get three and four year deals when they sign up routinely. So the dead money doesn't scare any of these guys. They hire, they hire them and the minute they're hired, the clock is ticking on their firing. And it can be very soon or it could be years. I mean, Kyle Shanahan right now, I haven't looked at this, but he's one of the five longest-serving coaches in the league. And this is just the middle of his sixth year. By the way, do you think Kyle Shanahan could rally, I mean, from way back in the field to be named NFL Head Coach of the Year? I think it's a possibility. <laughs> I really do. Uh, if you wanted to give it to, to Sean McDermott, if you wanted to give it to... Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni, absolutely. I mean, I, th I think it is between, it's a three-dog race at this time, don't you think? I don't know if Shanahan is there because usually the coach of the year goes to a team that does better than expected. And the 49ers got to the conference final a year ago. But. So, but. Well, let me finish my thought. Let me finish okay. my thought. Based on that, it's hard to make the case that 
it should be Shanahan rather than Nick Sirianni because they will have ended up probably with the same number of wins or close to it. Um, Sirianni did it, you know, maybe with a more stable quarterback, but, you know, the Eagles didn't look like the dominant team in the East when this season started. So he's the guy coming off the pace. I, I, I'm not arguing that Shanahan shouldn't be considered, but based on how this award is always given in every sport, it's the guy who comes the furthest from what you thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. And I think most people thought that the 49ers were going to be at least a 10 or 11 win team, no matter who their quarterback was. I think people thought that as long as the two names of who the quarterback might be were Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. But the minute that Brock Purdy entered the picture, I think it resets the how did you coach question for Kyle Shanahan. And I'm not saying that Nick Sirianni became a bad coach when his quarterback got hurt, but he hasn't won a game since. Kyle Shanahan's had two quarterbacks get hurt and talk about not coming off the pace. It's amazing that they've actually gotten better and they have, you know, just been remarkable. And look at how Christian McCaffrey has blossomed in this offense. I mean, I I think it's a possibility. Is it is he a little bit of a long shot? Yeah. But I think it's a possibility. And if they end up stealing the one seed on the last lap of the regular season, I think that possibility actually increases. He has a chance to be the executive of the year because he got McCaffrey. Because that's the thing that changed their offense. There's part of that, too. But don't they have to ceremoniously give that to John Lynch? No, they don't. They don't have to ceremoniously do anything. The guy who did the deal was Shanahan. And they probably give it to Howie Roseman anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you might be right. You might be right. But I just think that, that Lynch would probably get to take that bow, and then everyone would be like, well, you know, it's really Kyle Shanahan making all the decisions, and Kyle wouldn't care. He just wants to win a Super Bowl. 888-957-9570 is the number. We're going to take a few calls, and we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors next with Anthony Slater, our Warriors insider, because we got some news about the Golden State Warriors. Andre Iguodala is playing tomorrow. Might Andrew Wiggins actually join him with the Orlando Magic here? Slater joins us next. We're going to step off the football field onto the basketball court for a little bit here on 95.7. The game will be back on the football field with Brian Boldinger at 4.15. Don't you go anywhere. It's Damon and Ratto here on 95.7. The game we're brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Dale, brought to you by Marowist Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. Speaking of together, we're officially reunited here with Anthony Slater to talk about this that Andre Iguodala shared with everyone today on the Point Forward podcast with Evan Turner. We got 24 hours to step on the court, man. Yeah, it's a go. You know, officially announced it on point four. Hope the fan base is uh, excited. I'm a little nervous, but actually I'm also excited. You know, I try to play cool and calm and collected all the time, but excited to get there on the court. It's finally happened. Uh, a lot of folks been asking. Patience is a virtue. And now we're here. 
Andre Iguodala back tomorrow night. He says he's returning in 24 hours. Boy, they could have used him 24 hours ago as well in that loss to Detroit to talk about all of it. Uh, we're very happy to welcome back for the first time in a long time Anthony Slater here to 95.7 The Game. It's been a while since we've had you on in afternoons. Anthony, thank you very much. We thought you uh, had maybe boxed us out. No, no. Uh, good to hear you guys' voice. Yeah. Liar. Good to have you back, brother. Uh, so, what are the expectations for Andre Iguodala? I mean, do you can, can you tell us anything about conditioning? Have you watched him sort of ramp up uh, reps in practice? If you've been even allowed to see that happen? Did this news catch you off guard in any way? No, I've been here in January for a while now. It was kind of, you know, it was like a vague, like, eh, probably sometime in January. But you'd heard, like, you know, he's feeling good, but I, they wanted to shorten the amount of, or as long as the season would be, number one. Two, what uh, surprised me the other day, he came out in full uniform pregame uh, of that Pistons game you were talking to. It was like really going through a workout, um, like full speed. And that didn't make me go, oh, it's definitely going to be next game. But it, it was clear to me like he is uh, imitating a pregame workout that he would normally do if he was playing. He'd already been ruled out, but that was like, oh, it's probably coming soon because I'd heard January and then boom, uh, it's coming tomorrow. Uh, as far as expectations for him, they're going to slow play it. And I think in particular, they just want his single game minute to be down. Uh, Steve Kerr was regretful at times last season after he put, I remember there was a game against the Pacers overtime loss at home. He played equal all like 31 minutes in that game. And then he would all in play for a few weeks after that. And I remember Kerr being like, I just can't do that. He cannot play 31 minutes in a game. So I think mainly you're just going to see him in the maybe 18 minute range. Um, Who's going to be the one to pinch Kerr on the thigh every time it's time to take him out? Is there somebody uh, like assigned to govern his minutes so that Kerr doesn't get wrapped up in the game and do what he did in that Pacers game? Have, have you ever met Rick Celebrini? He, he might not pinch. He might punch, right? Like, get him out of there. But that would be the, uh, you know, minutes restriction lord over there. And he sits, like, behind to the left of Kerr, usually during home games. Uh, as far as substitution pattern-wise, that would be Jama. He's the one that has taken over from Mike Brown for those duties. So uh, I would say a combination of those two. But you're correct in the sense of, Steve's going to want to overplay. Was the loss to Detroit, Anthony, any factor in the decision that he plays against Orlando? Because to me, that was you know a little bit of a breaking point in terms of, well, here's a game that you should have, but it's a game that you're undermanned in, and that's probably a big reason why you didn't get it. So it, did, did that accelerate this at all in any way in your mind? I don't think so on Iguodala. I think this is like he had targeted something. He wouldn't tell anyone. Steve you know, very openly was unwilling to discuss much Andre Iguodala injury updates at all over the first few months because he's like, Andre doesn't want me to. Stop asking me, basically. So I always, like, he was always on his own timeline, and, and not one single regular season result was going to change that. Now, there's bigger news from an actual basketball perspective tomorrow. Andrew Wiggins is going to be back. And that's the one where, you know, I thought Wiggins might have been able to play in the last game, and he didn't. And maybe that sped up the timeline here where it's like, get him back in. I mean, you'd argue he's their second, third best player. And he's been out 15 games, longest, uh, you know, absence of his career. So to me, that's, that's in a lot of ways the bigger news from like a wins-loss perspective. No doubt about it. It's huge to get Wiggins back. And especially, you know, even though it's a Devin Bookerless Suns team, 
the, the price of poker goes up the minute the, the the Phoenix Suns get to town, and then they got a big five gamer coming up, and it looks like Steph Curry could be joining them when that begins. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about suddenly a, a, a lengthening rotation where uh, Dante DiVincenzo is going to go back to the bench with Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup, and suddenly you're like, you feel pretty good about Dante DiVincenzo as a bench piece, much better than you felt before Steph and Andrew Wiggins went down. Um, eventually, and probably, what, next Friday night against the Spurs, Steph Curry will bump Jordan Poole to the bench. So you're talking about Poole and DiVincenzo now as your sixth, seventh men. Eventually, you'll see Jonathan Kaminga again. I think he's established himself as a very legitimate every night eighth man in the in, in NBA rotation and starting to feel like a legitimate contending, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten-man rotation as, as you go down, which I think you'd both agree that a month or two months ago it did not seem that way. Is Wiggins going to be on a minutes restriction given the amount of time that he missed? Are they going to try to ramp him up slowly as well? Or because he is as important as he is, are they going to throw him out for 30-plus right away? Yeah. Um, that's I, like Maybe Steve Kerr will give an exact uh, number, you know, allotment when he talks pregame tomorrow. Um, I'd guess high 20s, maybe into the 30s. If it isn't 30 in game one, Wiggins is the type of player from a durability perspective from just a conditioning perspective the way he just kind of effortlessly glides up and down the court that he's going to be playing 30 plus minutes like very soon even if it's not first game back anthony slater with us here on 95 7 the game so swept by the detroit piston it's it's not something i think anyone expected uh the pistons have 11 wins and two of them are against the golden state warriors could there be a little maybe buyback here from the actual league, though, on that Draymond technical, the double tech that he got with Isaiah Stewart? And God, I wish he'd not flap his gums to pick up the first one. But that double technical got him an ejection. And we all know that, you know, there's a running number of those. Uh, will they contend that that was an unnecessary double tech with the league office? Uh, it, uh, it's not happening. Help me here. I'll break a small bit of news just for you on the on the show. Uh, they're not rescinding. The league has decided to uphold that technical, so he will be at 12 technicals um, with a lot of games left. Um, but as Steve Kerr continues to mention, Draymond is the master of getting to 15 and sitting at 15 over the years. So uh, he's three away from, from that you know threshold right at the end of the plank, but uh, I mean they just don't expect him to jump over and get the 16th once he gets there. Uh, that's still asking a lot over 44 games to get, or 43 games for him not to get more. This is the earliest I think he's gotten to 12. How do they govern that? How do they, how do they put a, you know, a, a way to get him to not snap at Mitchell Irvin, um, what? without, without diminishing either his competitiveness or raising his ire? I think the conversation is pretty easy. I think it is, um, from a team perspective, from a Warriors perspective, if you get suspended for one game in the regular season, it's not that big a deal. Like, they're going to sit him on random back-to-backs. Anyways, he's going to need a break at some point. I mean, he's being overused like crazy lately with the way this front court is diminished. We know his age. We know his recent injury history. Like, Draymond Green needs to miss regular season games over the course of the next 50 or whatever it is. Um, so that would be, from a team perspective, why you don't worry too much about a one-game regular season suspension. And then from a player perspective, if you actually did want to motivate him not to get it, that's financial motivation. You lose a game check, and Draymond Green makes a lot of money, uh, and that's something you know he can decide. You know, in the way he 
you know, if he gets it or not, like that's going to cost him more than a normal technical foul. So uh, that would be the motivation, I would think, just internally for him. But that, that's for him to decide. I think the Warriors would be okay with him missing. You know, Anthony, the the Warriors have had such an overwhelming amount of success when things are aligned to go right. It's hard to criticize them when even things go wrong, but it feels like there have just been two glaring blind spots throughout the entirety of the dynasty. The inability to correct what I think is a fixable mistake that is Draymond popping off to officials at every moment. Like, play hard against the opponent. Relax against the officials. It, it, it drives me nuts that he, at this point in his career, at this point in his maturity, he still remains immature about how to go about pleading a case with an NBA official. It, it drives me nuts. Obviously, it's the deal with the devil that the team is comfortable making. And that brings me to the other point, the turnovers. You know, it's Steph Curry turning the ball over while Steph gets a longer rope than anybody in NBA history to correct his mistakes because he's one of the great players ever. Jordan Poole is not that yet. When are they going to preach some ball security to Jordan Poole and actually mean it? Like, attach some consequences to horrific turnovers in worst moments possible to have such a horrific turnover? Yeah, I mean... To me, the pool thing is it is a difficult situation right now because it's like they can't tell him new to your creativity because I think some of the worst stretches of Jordan Poole's career, um, but even let's just go back last year. Last season was his breakout season. The worst stretches were when Clay Thompson came back, bumped him to the bench, and there was the unaggressive nights where there was this long stretches where it was just like Jordan Poole's kind of out there. He's not turning the ball over. But he's not really shooting that much. He's not going to the rim. He's not creating and their bench felt so empty from an offensive standpoint. They just did not have much juice. And we've felt that for years when they're playing Brad Wanamaker over him during his second season, and that's when Poole finally broke out. But it was like these backup point guards, these backup units that just didn't have creativity, didn't have any, you know, offensive juice. And then suddenly, you know, Poole's here, and he's showing right now they're 6-4 and four since Steph Curry went out. A large reason they're 6-4 and four since Steph Curry went out is because they have given Jordan Poole the ball and said, go create be as aggressive as you want to be. Um, and, I mean, I know you're talking about kind of like, you know, punishment for this. I mean, I, I think the punishment will probably be, hey, you're not closing in big games once Steph Curry is back. But if they're playing in Toronto against the Toronto Raptors without Steph Curry, they need Jordan Poole to just dance with the ball and do whatever he can do. And that night he scores 43 points and they win. There's been some games recently that they've won because he's had huge point totals. He's also had three massive bad turnovers trying to create a play in the last three games in the final minute of the last three. But that's just kind of part of the Jordan Poole package. You are seeing what Jordan Poole would be on a nightly basis right now if he did sign a max contract offer sheet with San Antonio, let's say, and went to San Antonio this offseason. That is what young guards trying to learn their creativity can be in the league. And that's just kind of what the Warriors need without Steph. I think you can neuter that a little when, when Steph gets back with his minutes and his closing minutes and the fact that he won't have the ball in his hands in those situations, Steph will. But it's like you can't tell him, hey, don't, you know, go out and turn the ball over zero times. That's fine. You might get 17 points and zero turnovers instead of 34 points and, and four turnovers, seven turnovers, whatever it is. Anthony Slater here on Damon and Ratto as we welcome everyone into your four o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.